When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast, recording from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center, recording on today, Wednesday, May the 1st. So glad you are with us, whether you're watching live on Facebook or listening on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. SoundCloud, so great that you are with us. Alongside Will Stewart and Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes. Guys, happy May. Hard to believe we have gotten to this point in the year, but happy May, happy spring. It is a beautiful week in Blacksburg. It's like 87 degrees out there, 86 or 87 degrees. I, I mean, it's convertible weather, but it quickly crosses over, and even when you got the top down and you're going 60 miles an hour, you're sweating. So that's kind of where I am. Yeah, and then you get put the top down, and then you got pollen blowing in your face. So that's not fun. Right now, I'd rather take the allergies, though, compared to those cold months of January and February. I'm just happy that it's consistently in the 80s right now. Yeah, I've, as you get older, you'll find as you get older, you dislike the winters more and more and more. So anytime That's they're over, I am happy. Yeah. Again, recording on May the 1st. A lot to get to today. We'll be talking a little bit about Virginia Tech and the NFL draft. First time since the 90s that Tech did not have anybody taken in the NFL draft. There were some rookie deals signed and some undrafted free agent deals signed. We'll break all of that down. We'll talk a little bit of football and basketball recruiting. Sprinkle in some spring sports. And then we will do the latter half of the podcast. We'll do a year in review. We will kind of break down and put a bow on the entire spring winter fall sports kind of recap it all for you some highlights from tech sideline all coming up in the latter part of the podcast but first guys i think it will be very nice to kind of talk talk about a sport that we have not talked about on the podcast this year and shine some light on amanda hollinsworth of Virginia Tech Women's Golf. This was a program that was started 4 years ago. They've now qualified for the NCAA tournament twice. And she is qualified for the U.S. Women's Open. So she earned a berth. She shot a two-round total of one under 141 on Tuesday. She won a sectional qualifier and earned a berth in the 2019 U.S. Women's Open Championship. That's May 30th through June 2nd in Charleston, South Carolina. That's a big-time deal. Very exciting news. I'm a better golfer than she is. It only takes me one round to shoot a 141. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big deal. (laughs) I mean, really, is to go and play that as an amateur. And, you know, of course, you watch the big tournaments and you see these a couple of amateurs sprinkled in, especially at the Masters. So really cool that Virginia Tech is going to be represented on one of the biggest golf tournaments in in the entire world. So what what do you know about how many amateurs there are? I mean, how does it work? See, I caught him off guard. He hadn't done his research. Well, I haven't. I mean, typically there's you know five to six amateurs in the field there's not That's many it, huh? i mean wow. i mean going going off of the way they do it in the on the um on, on the, the male side, side. Yeah. so assuming that it's the same i think it's a little bit different for augusta which i'm really going off of in the masters um but it's a really big deal and if you watch you know the sunday on on the masters when they put the green jacket on the new champion they actually have an award 
for the top amateur. Wow. So it is a you know it's a really big deal. And a lot of times you see these amateurs turn pro. I mean, Tiger played in his first Masters in 95, turned pro, and then won the Masters in 97. So these are going to be the top golfers in the entire country uh, that I'm sure she's competed against on the NCAA level um, in the NCAA championships before. So pretty neat to think about. I think I saw a tweet saying, how neat is it she gets to tee off for the first time ever from hole one as the first golfer from Virginia Tech women's golf four years ago. She's going to end her career playing in the U.S. Women's Open. Very nice. Uh you know, uh, Drew Weaver was it Drew Weaver about ten Weaver's years ago yeah. from men's golf qualified for I don't I don't remember what he won and what he qualified for, but I remember it being a huge deal. I just remember the so, name. He was yeah, a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So so this is a similar situation. So Evans Evans quickly looking it up, right? Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And she uh, so again, it's the first women's golfer obviously to qualify for such a young program. But there were two berths in the championship that were up for grab. Um, and so, you know, very exciting. Congratulations to women golf. They uh, they qualified for the NCAA tournament and did well down there last year. So, uh, of course, uh, keeping up to date with that. But thought it would be fun to kind of open it up with a different sport and, uh, and a different look. Of course, Tech Sideline is always, each and every week, presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm has defended over 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email the, the Fisher Law Firm at info at FisherLegal.com. So Drew Weaver won the 2007 Amateur Championship. So I guess that's like the Amateur Championship. Yeah, I so guess that's, pretty uh, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, by the way, it's a beautiful time to play some golf if we're going off the weather. It is a uh, it's a good time <laughs> to do that. never a beautiful, beautiful time, time for me to, for play, me to golf. play golf. <laughs> I've never uh, made it past a driving range before. It's, you don't want to see it. You know, real quick, you know, the word on the street before we move on is that uh, a really good golfer is Coach Justin Fuente. Apparently, when he gets on the links, he is a solid golfer. Hmm. All right. So I always wonder how those guys have time. That's what he said. When he has to, to I get think, to, well, to, to actually good to be golf. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess you just have to be naturally. I guess some people have natural good, ability. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know some guys who can. Really and then also play. shouting out uh, John Laser, he is a fantastic golfer huh. from the well, world I know as well. So I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> so let's move on and let's get to our lead topic today. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft, which took place last week, and for the first time since the early '90s, Virginia Tech did not have a player selected in the NFL draft. I want to give everybody the rundown of the players who did get undrafted uh, free agent deals and a couple of invites. So uh, Kyle Chung got an undrafted deal uh, with the Chicago Bears. Bears. So did Joshua Neisman to the Packers and Ricky Walker to the Cowboys and those rookie deals. And then there are invites to rookie camp. My understanding is that's not a contract. It's an invite to the rookie camps. Yes, you're invited to try out. And so Stephen Peoples and Vinny Mahota both got invited to compete for the rookie camp tryouts with the Arizona Cardinals, and then Brandon Pfaff has two invites Braxton with the Kansas Braxton Pfaff, excuse me, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. So those are all of the Hokies that did not get drafted, but do have some form of opportunities at the next level. I am surprised that Vinny Mahota still wants to keep doing this. The guy, you know, the his injury history and. You know, watching him and you go all the way back to the 2016 ACC championship game where he could barely lift his arms, you know, and he was knocking balls down and then, and then rolling around on the ground. I'm just, uh, you know, 
more power to him, man. I, I, I hope he, uh, you know, makes makes some progress. And if he really, if that's his dream, go for it. But uh, that sport is painful. So there was a lot of talk on social media about this, though. And since the bowl streak started, that was the last time that Tech did not have a player drafted. Small deal, big deal. Does it really matter? What are your thoughts, Will, when it comes to not seeing a Hokie drafted? I don't think it's a big deal because it's just one of those things that had a low pro- – and I'll explain what I mean here in a second – had a low probability of happening, and it finally happened. You know, after we're talking – nobody was taken in the 93 draft. We've had Hokies taken since 1994. So you're talking 25 years. And finally what happened was everybody who would have been – so Chris and I like to talk about – what happened if every what what would happen if everybody redshirted and everybody played four years? What would you be looking at? And in this particular year, if everybody went by that menu that that formula, you would have had a lot of guys from Virginia Tech eligible to be drafted who were good Anywhere players from and could eight have been to nine. That, yeah. that could have been yeah. And and I don't know if Chris has a list off the top of his nope. head, <laughs> but we're talking about guys like you know Trayvon Hill. If Trayvon had stayed and not getting booted off the team here at Virginia Tech and had decided to go pro early, he would have been draft eligible this year Tim and probably Settle, would have gotten picked. Tim Settle. Adonis Alexander. Uh, the Edmonds brothers, Luke right? Reynolds, maybe. Yes, the Edmonds brothers could have been. So we're I, I, even Isaiah Ford, who plays a true freshman and then left a year early, he had to play as a true freshman because Virginia Tech had no good wide receivers in the program. So he had to come in and start as a true freshman, and then he left a year early. This past year would have been his fifth year, and most guys do get redshirted, and they do stay to their fifth year. So he would have been draft eligible this past year. So a lot of things had to go into Virginia Tech not having anybody drafted this past yeah, year. Yeah, and, and they all just happened to fall in this year. So everybody's uh, – not everybody, but some people are bemoaning the, quote, lack of talent in the program, unquote. And certainly that's part of it. If he had talent in the program, they'd be getting drafted. Well, But, uh, it's, it's, but it's just – Recruiting classes lining up with early dismissals and early departures and that kind of thing. Well, first of all, we have to define what talent is. Now, did anybody think Greg Stroman had talent when he was getting toasted as a cornerback, as a freshman and a sophomore? Um, You're right. You have to define talent. um, Now, Caleb Farley, I think, is very talented. He wasn't good this past year because he was so young, but I think he has high upside talent. Virginia Tech only had six seniors on this past year's team. And of those guys, the most consistent player from beginning to end was former walk-on Stephen Peoples. So anybody expecting Tech to get anybody drafted this past weekend, you know, their, their expectations going into the draft weekend was too high. I mean, it was never in the cards. I mean, Ricky Walker's a defensive tackle. Virginia Tech Undersized defensive tackles for the NFL. don't get drafted unless they're Tim Settle. I think before Tim Settle, you got to go all, all the way back to Carlton Powell, whose last year was 2007. For wow. Virginia Tech defensive tackle, well, and, you, and you I said that's right. Ricky Walker was a little undersized, correct? Yeah, I think somebody told me like he weighed in at two eighty four or something mm. like that as official weight, and then he was he was three hundred as a senior at Tech. So, so I, I, I don't. Know. So I think a guy at one point who had who was on track and had the best chance to be drafted was probably Nijman. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the size, you know. He was he was looking prototypical there for a while. Then he got hurt late in uh, twenty seventeen. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Man, he was just never the, never same, the same, you know. And, and it's kind of ironic because what I'm about to say is ironic, not it, whatever it means. Um, the uh, I remember watching – I watched Nijman closely in the ODU game last year. Man, he had a rough game. Yeah, that, that guy that, 
That guy got drafted. Yeah, the, the, ODU, the, defensive the, end. the ODU defensive end who had two and a half tackles for loss, including two sacks. Complex name I can't recall right off the top of my head. He got drafted. Which, by the way, ODU in the state of Virginia, not to cut you off, had the most players drafted this year. Old Dominion. Two. Uh, do you know off the top of your head how many UVA had drafted? Because in, I do know. I was surprised that Alameda Zacchaeus did not get drafted. Oh, he got Thornhill a, got drafted. I believe by the Ravens, but I want to confirm that. Yeah. Uh, also, real quick, Mook Reynolds did a, uh, get a uh, tryout with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow. But continue. That, that guy's had a tough path. So, uh, where were we? talking? Oh, so I thought Nijman was on track two years ago. And then, you know, the injuries happened. Injury, injuries happened. And he was just never the same. You know, and like I said, I remember watching him during that ODU game. And that's when I started thinking to myself, oh, this doesn't look good. He may not be coming back from whatever happened in 2017. And I want to point out that the, right, the same thing is going to happen next year. Virginia Tech only has six seniors on this upcoming football team. And the most draft projectable player on the roster is, uh, of all the seniors is Ryan Willis. Okay, Xavier Burke is one of the seniors. He's a converted tight end to defensive tackle who's coming off an Achilles injury who I'm not even convinced he's going to be on the team this year. Yeah. Uh, Got Halshon Gaines as a senior defensive end coming off a torn ACL that is he that he's he sustained like in November. Receiver. He's built like a wide receiver. <laughs> okay, he's not going to get drafted. Jovan Quillen has been a good special teams player for Virginia Tech, but all right, the only Tech defense that he would have actually gotten on the field for over the last fifteen years or so is this past year's defense. Yeah. He's 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 not a very good cornerback. He's not an NFL caliber cornerback. I do like uh, his open field tackling. I do like his open field tackling. Uh, agreed. Uh, so and who are the other seniors? Oh. Is uh is uh, our boy the um oh gosh our punter's name who's uh, not coming yeah, off the top he's, of my head he's, he's a junior okay. yeah, yeah I, I but had, somebody went through Oscar Bradburn sorry I couldn't uh, so is there any play so let's say the seniors don't get drafted is uh, there any player you could see declaring early for the NFL draft that could get taken off Tech's roster I'm trying to think oh by the way Reggie Floyd's another one of the seniors yep he's a good player I don't think he's a I don't think he's the type you match up against NFL wide receivers, but that's just my take. Um, juniors, I don't have a roster right in front of me. Uh, I think probably of all the juniors, Jeremy Webb is the most talented player, but he's coming off two Achilles injuries. Um, and everybody else I, is so young. Everybody, man. I mean, look, I mean, I think Trey Turner is a really talented player who's going to be a high NFL pick one day, but he's only a true sophomore this mm-hmm. year. I think Dax Holyfield is a talented player, but he's only a true sophomore. Uh, you know, I think Caleb Farley is a talented player, but he's Ashby. only a sophomore. Uh, I don't think he's an NFL and Damon Hazelton, size. Damon Hazelton is old enough, but he's right. a redshirt He's junior. a redshirt junior. Right. Um, and I don't see him being quite dynamic yeah, enough. He, to, well, he's got to take well, a big step th- up. But here's the thing, though. Didn't like a third of the guys who declared early not get drafted this year? I mean, there were a bunch of bad decisions in there. It, so it was, you it can't, was a pretty large So number. I'm not going to sit here and say no Virginia Tech player is going to declare. <laughs> Because Gerard Evans declared, and everybody told him that was an awful decision. Yeah. So, I'm not going to sit here and predict that no Tech player is going to declare. I don't think at this point that any Tech player should declare early. Sure. Um, so, taking a broader look at this, again, just getting the feel from both of you, is, is let's say that nobody gets drafted theoretically next year in the 2020 NFL draft. Is that a big deal? Does that hurt Virginia Tech, yes or no? I think at that point it starts saying something about the, how the the talent has ebbed in the program for for the time being. You know, like a lot of the young players, I think I think they are they do have some guys on the roster that do have the, p- the potential 
potential to get drafted someday. It's just not looking like it right now. I don't know that I buy into um, that whole thing of, I mean, unless you're truly elite like Alabama, who has a ton of guys get drafted. Clemson, they have a ton of guys get drafted. I'm not sure down at the Virginia Tech level where you're where I don't I'm not sure how much of a recruiting edge it is. Um, I think you develop your reputation over time, and Virginia Tech's got a decent reputation for getting players drafted. But for example, the Edmonds brothers both both getting drafted in the first round last year, does that really make a dent in recruiting? So when you ask the question, does it hurt Virginia Tech? Eh. Yeah, you know, I agree completely. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody said, oh, man, we finally got a linebacker drafted and he declared early. And, oh, we finally got a defensive tackle drafted and he declared early. That's really going to help our recruiting to those two positions. Nope. No. Nope. No, it doesn't. No, they, uh, had, to, they had to recruit four JUCOs on defense. Right, it, they, exactly. They didn't hit on a lot of their targets. Yeah, so that's it's, it's not going to – I don't think it's going to move the needle is my personal opinion. And, and we talk about how Virginia Tech's recruiting has changed and how a guy like James Anderson – Two-star recruit would be a four-star recruit these days because he'd go to camps and get noticed. Well, he was a third-round pick out of Virginia Tech. So maybe when he – he was a 2000, class of 2001 guy, I believe. Maybe he picks up an offer from Clemson these days, and he goes to Clemson instead of Virginia Tech, and that's one last draft pick for Virginia Tech. So because recruiting is so different, and it seems like your major talents are easily identifiable these days, and they're all going to Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. Uh, for the most part, I I, I think you're going to see. I think it's very possible that you see draft picks that to a team like Virginia Tech just not going to have as many draft picks down the road. I think uh, that's reasonable. Um, and, but 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 I mean, now Virginia Tech is still going to go out and get guys like, you know, I think Jaden Payut has a really high ceiling as an athlete. I mean, I, I think he can be a really high pick if he develops as a wide right, receiver. Right, he's a guy. If he develops, he'll show well at the combine. Now 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 there's a. We're talking about a guy who hadn't even enrolled yet, but I'm, I'm, try, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make a point. No pressure. Here, trying to make a point here that anybody Virginia Tech recruits is not going to be a finished product. Now, he is a great athlete, but he's never played wide receiver before. The two other receivers in the class, Elijah Bowick, Jacoby Pinckney, I think are really good natural wide receivers. With a but, lot of experience. With a lot of experience at the position. But they're just above average athletes. They're not a great – if they were a great athlete and a natural receiver, then all those guys would be five-star recruits. Um, so anybody that Virginia Tech takes and, – and this goes for any school outside the elite. Um, anybody Virginia Tech takes, you know, they're going to have a few uh, – they're going to be rough around the edges, so to speak. They're going to need some part of their game to be to be refined. Otherwise, they would have had offers from everybody in the country. And Chris is generalizing, of course. Yeah, I'm know, generalizing. He's not talking yeah. about every single player. He's talking about as a, as a group how right. things have changed. So, real quick, one word answer, or I guess two. If you had to give the most NFL talented slash prospect on this current Virginia Tech roster, whether it's a freshman, even though he's not quite there yet, or senior. Who is the most likely to be an NFL first-round, second-round pick on this roster? On the entire roster, I would go with Trey Turner. Um, he has he has very good athleticism. He can make people miss. He can go up and get the football. Uh, he's got to add muscle mass, of course, but that'll come with time. But but I definitely think uh, if 
you know, to be dra- I think you, to be drafted as a wide receiver in those early rounds, you've got to be a pretty dynamic guy, and I think he has that uh, that dynamic ability. That because Virginia, Virginia Tech has had some really good wide receivers before, but Isaiah Ford was a very average athlete, great receiver, average athlete, big difference. Was picked, I think, fifth from the bottom in the seventh round. Yeah, he was correct. Uh, he was Jared, very, very Jared, Jared Boykin played for the Green Bay Packers, uh, caught probably mm-hmm. seventy passes in his career, started a little bit. Uh, he was not drafted. He was a very average athlete. So they're not going to take you in the early rounds as a wide receiver unless you ha- you're some kind of a dynamic athlete. And, uh, you know, they took Andre Davis in the second round, and he was a dynamic athlete. Yeah. They took Eddie Royal in the second round, and he was a dynamic athlete. Um, I, I, I think Trey Turner is the most approaching Eddie Royal and Andre Davis in terms of athleticism that Virginia Tech has had at receiver. So, uh, and as far as all the other guys go well, it's it's really hard to what are your thoughts on a guy who passes the eye test uh but has been injury plagued through his career what are your thoughts on divine diablo it's a good point yeah you see honestly I'm, I'm admitting something about myself i don't watch the nfl anymore i watched one nfl game this past year you so, used to be a big packers fan he did yeah, and then aaron Rodgers got hurt and i realized i just didn't care all that much <laughs> uh or the, and the games bored me without him I don't know. But anyway, so I don't know what passes for a good safety these days. I know you're going to have to be able to cover slot receivers. Correct. Um, and he did not show a good job of being able to do that this past right. season. Uh, so I expect he'll get drafted. I mean, I mean, he's going to test well probably, but uh, he's got to put a lot more on film in my on, in my opinion. Now, he certainly could, could do that. We'll see. And as far as, like, some of the other guys, like – like the young lineman in the program. I mean, we don't know how uh, Danzy's offensive or defensive. Offensive. offensive. We, we don't yeah. know how. Uh, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, we we don't know how those guys are going to develop. I think Darisaw, I think, is going to be a really good college player. He actually he's actually built more like a guard, I think. And I, and I, if he moved, if he did get drafted and played tackle, he'd have to move to the right side. Uh, Danzy's probably the most projectable guy. Uh, out of all those at this stage. So what about and, – and, again, you really shouldn't talk about true freshmen like this. Uh, Doug, Doug Nestor is the one that Virginia Tech got away from Ohio State, right? That's right. Um, just looking at him, I know he's only in high school, but looking at him, he's he's got the look. Of oh, he's got the frame for sure. Yeah, and yeah. He, he's got – he has what most offensive linemen his age, or any age for that matter, doesn't have. And he has actually chiseled muscles. It's not just big arms – with a lot of fat on there, that guy is actually has defined muscles in his arm. Um, so he's on a different level. I mean, there's a reason Ohio State really wanted him. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that we're talking about the guys we're talking about as Virginia Tech's most projectable players shows you how much the talent level dropped off or either or declared early for the NFL draft or left the program through attrition yeah. uh, in Frank Beamer's last few recruiting classes. Um, there was just precious little depth in those classes. And, and, and Chris wrote an article this week after no tech players got drafted last week, and I, I came into the uh, office Monday, and I'm like, Chris, I want you to write an article about why none of tech's players got drafted. And he went into way more detail than I expected. He actually listed every member of the three recruiting classes who would have been eligible for this draft, which is 2014 – 2015 and 2016, 2016. Yeah. and that would have been redshirt seniors down to true juniors. Chris listed every single player, and it's a very interesting article. It's, it's called, and the title of it is a, li- is a little clickbaity. It's 
why no Virginia Tech players got drafted for the first time since 1993. But it was a 4,000-word article, so <laughs> wow. very, very much not clickbaity once you start reading it. Yes. I, w- I want to address a question in here. Yes. Uh, Dale is asking about why this year's recruiting is so bad and everything like that. And, and first of all, I've, I've spent countless hours researching Power 5 offers for programs and things like that. Last year, the 2018 class, Virginia Tech ranked fourth in the ACC in terms of average number of Power 5 offers per recruit. Uh, and, you know, the number of recruits you sign will impact your class your, rating. Your class rating, uh, yeah. Virginia Tech's class rating is not it's, it's not going to be ranked high this year because Tech's only going to sign 15 or 16 guys. You know, uh, we say that. <laughs> we say it every year, but they literally don't have room this year. Okay. Uh, I mean, and, and, and you, can't, you, are, you're, you can't as pr- project as much attrition now. All right, Tech has lost a lot of attrition. Like a lot of guys who flat out couldn't play at this level have left the program. And there are fewer of the guys in there in the program like that now. Because I, I, I think Fuente has targeted a higher caliber. Of, there, there were some guys towards the end of the Beamer era, quite frankly, that did not deserve a scholarship to Virginia Tech. They should not have been on the team. And, for most, and now I think most of those guys have left. And I think just almost everybody in the program now you could look at them and say, okay, the, yeah, that guy's a good enough athlete coming out of high school. That guy had a bunch of scholarship offers. He's worthy. Not to suggest that every single one of them will work out because it's not that way. But but, but as a group, they're, they're, they're not going to cycle out of the program as fast because they have more talent. So, so and you and you have done you have studied the oh, number yeah. of Power Five offers for years yes. now. And so what he's saying, he's not just saying, hey, this is what I think. If you go back four or five recruiting classes, uh, Chris, if you can remember the numbers off the top of your head, the, the offensive yeah. class four or five classes ago, they averaged, what, four or five power five there offers? Was, there was one year where they averaged fewer than three power five offers per offensive recruit. Man, and these the, days, the last two years, they've been up over ten. Yeah, so these are – and, yes, we know the number of offers in general has been going up because some but offers are that committable and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so he's 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 speaking from a standpoint of data that he has researched when he says those right. things. And as far as the 2020 class goes, you know, I mean, when you're only going to take 15 or 16 guys, you're going to be very selective with with who you take. Um, and I'm not saying they haven't lost players that they wanted or, or that they will won't lose any more, but they're 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 not they're not going to offer some dude in May that they aren't sure about. True. When when you have very limited numbers. So what you want to what you're are you saying that what you want to pay attention to is the offers that come out of the summer camps for? Yeah, I think I mean yeah. Last year at this time, Jaden Payud, who ended up being Virginia Tech's highest rated recruit, did not have a Virginia Tech offer. Right. Because they saw him in a satellite camp, and he blew up. So, uh, or maybe it was their second highest rate. So you're, you're, ta- you're, but ta- anyway. you're talking about the upcoming class being small, and and you make a valid point about the the general level of athlete slash player in the yeah, program. It's much but improved. To play devil's advocate, the transfer portal exists now, and yeah. it didn't exist. Yeah. And and we've only gotten to watch the transfer portal for one year. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen in future years. We don't know if NCAA rules are going to change Mm -hmm. regarding the portal. It's hard to say. But that's an X factor in there that we can't quite nail down yet. You can't quite nail down yet. And there will be years where that portal hurts Virginia Tech, and there will be years where it it helps them. I mean, if Brock Hoffman gets his waiver, let's not get into that again, but if he gets his waiver, (laughs) that might be one of Virginia Tech's starting five offensive linemen this year. Uh, Braxton Burmeister. You know, we don't know for a 100% fact that Quincy Patterson is going to start next year after Ryan Willis is gone. We're bringing in Oregon's a former starting quarterback from Oregon. I mean, so if he becomes Virginia Tech starter at some point, or if 
You can yeah, say, or, or, hey. or if Quincy Patterson gets hurt and we have to we have to bring a backup quarterback in the right. game, then you know Braxton Burmeister. I mean that that, that it's then a the case. The portal of, definitely helps. Then it helps. So it's it's something that, but but they don't count towards recruiting rankings, right? Right. And Gerard Evans, he had like one other Power Five offer, right? Uh, because JUCO's just they don't get as many offers. Uh, so so, so he, I, he didn't lift the twenty sixteen. Recruiting class, uh, he yeah. might have. I, I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, but, just, but, but he certainly elevated. He office. certainly elevated the play on the field. Right, right, uh, exactly. You know, like, like Michael Brewer. I, I think the ball streak would be over were it not for recruit going out and getting Michael Brewer as a transfer. But he doesn't show up any in any of the recruiting rankings, right? Because right? he wasn't a recruit. So many ways I would love to go in from recruiting to satellite camps to the transfer portal. I think we could do a full maybe like two and a half hour podcast yeah. on all that, but. I'm going to cap it off with this because we got a lot to get to um, the rest of the podcast. A little bit of recruiting for basketball, mainly our year in review. But I'll end it on this with the NFL draft because I am a little bit curious to just get your thoughts. Daniel Jones, the number six overall pick to the New York Giants from Duke, mm-hmm. a team that Tech held to 14 points. Were you stunned to see him go number six overall from Duke? I wouldn't say stunned. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the NFL draft. You know, they're they're projecting. They do wacky things. Um, Todd McShay had him as number 59 overall. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't have taken him six overall personally. But I will say this. Duke does not have the talent out there at wide receiver that they used to have. I mean, yeah, they, 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 they really the, who's the guy for the that. Redskins at slot receiver? Oh, Jamison uh, Crowder. Crowder yeah. That guy was top-notch. Now on the New York Jets. Is the Jets now. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, that guy was top-notch, and there is no Jamison Crowder there. Duke's wide receivers are uh, – I'd be very nice if I was saying they were average. Uh, I mean, Virginia Tech's defense couldn't shut anybody down last year, and they shut down Duke. So what does that tell you about their talent level? Well, and I remember going to that game. He had a couple of deep balls, one-on-one coverage, and had them for touchdowns, and the receivers got their hands on them just dropped and them. just couldn't couldn't bring them down. Yeah. You know, so he's not getting much help gotcha. around him at Duke, in, in my opinion. Um, six, six is high. I wouldn't have taken him six. Ahead of Dwayne but, Haskins, ahead of Drew Locke. Anyways, I was just curious because, you know, there are a lot of people in the ACC just very surprised. I think the average fan on social media, poor Eric Fisher says, Ugh, what are my Giants doing? <laughs> so, uh, anyways. Well, it's not a Giants podcast. So. Uh, I'll, I'll say. Well, is, that, is that who picked him? The Giants, correct. Wow, okay. The Giants, yep. And, of course, the Mannings have ties to David Cutcliffe, and so there's, you know, mm, we can get in on okay. it. By okay. the way, congrats to your Dolphins. You have a franchise quarterback. I'm happy for you. Didn't get a chance to tell you that. Uh, but uh, What's his name? Josh uh, Chosen Rosen. Rosen. I think so, huh? So, well, we'll see. All right, All right let's do this. Rosen. We'll step aside for a break. When we come back, we'll briefly hit on Virginia Tech basketball recruiting, briefly hit on spring sports, and then we'll get into our year in review. We're going to put a bow on the 2018-2019 Virginia Tech sporting season and will give us some of the highs. And I'll uh, ask Will and Chris for some of their teams of the year, moments of the year, all of that when we come back from this break. You're listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline Podcast with Will Stewart, Chris Coleman. I'm Evan Hughes. Rolling through this podcast, recording on Wednesday, May the 1st, 
hard to believe we started this in August. We are here in May, and I feel like I keep saying that, but it's just amazing how quickly months fly by when you're having fun here at Tech Sideline. We'll transition from football, the NFL draft talk, and recruiting now into basketball. Briefly, I'm going to give both of you just one segment here or so to talk about this. Uh, No real big news in recruiting, uh, there was one player that was supposed to announce between Tech and Vanderbilt on Monday, Cambridge, coming from an Ivy League school. That did not happen. Uh, I will say Coach Mike Young has been very active on the recruiting trail, and I saw this tweet on Twitter to who that Virginia Tech has offered in the last week, uh, and this was from David Cunningham on Twitter. So they offered a four-star from 2020, four-star 2021, um, three-star 2020, four-star 2021, and a five-star point guard 2021. So from what I'm gathering is Coach Young, people were saying would he – one of the criticisms about the high, would he know the right people to right. go after? And to me, on the outside looking in, it looks like he knows exactly what he's doing of getting he's, those national talent. He's acting pretty quickly, you know, and as we talked about last week, he's doing all the right things. He's putting the work in. The question is, you know, is he going to be able to close? And – there's really not a whole lot more I can add than that. You, you cannot criticize his effort at all. He's really hit the ground running from an effort standpoint. And a decision-making standpoint has been strong as far as who to offer. When I went over a couple weeks ago, that the team we just put on the quarter in the Sweet 16 was a bunch of top 100 players. I mean, Buzz liked to say that they weren't talented, but that team was loaded, man. They were really good. Uh, I mean, and, and they were all, most of them were all highly ranked. And, you know, you need players. I mean, is anybody going to disagree that Mike Bray is not an elite coach? Mike Bray of Notre Dame. Oh, he's absolutely an elite coach. They had a losing record the last two years. Yeah. Because their talent level dropped off, man. Uh, So, to me, it's it's about talent. You've got to be able to get players. Um, He's doing all the right things so far on the recruiting trail, offering the right types of guys, being very aggressive. He's being pretty smart in that he's – offering some 2020 guys with an option to reclassify to 2019 to try to fill this coming year's team out. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't think this year's team – I'm not going to judge Mike Young at all on this year's team. Uh, I will start to judge him when I see who signs on the dotted line with Virginia Tech in November. As far for to, the 2020 For class. the 2020 class. He, and Chris said it will start to. Start to. That will not be my final judgment. Yeah, I remember, but, it's but, still early. But Buzz Williams, his first recruiting class, signed. And he Buzz Williams came in a little bit behind like any new coach, but he still signed Justin Robinson, Chris Clark, and Kerry Blackshear. But these are guys that Buzz may have been recruiting while he was at Marquette. I don't think so. And it gets – okay. Well, it gets in this to, particular case. But it gets back to the fact that Buzz could really recruit. Uh, when he want, when he wanted to, when he, wanted when he chose to, to. <laughs> yeah. Quickly, give me two or three names off the top of your head because literally, it oh. seems like every day there are guys they're offering. Are there Honestly, any names? I have, that, I have no idea. There, uh, <laughs> there, there are. I, easily, I, have, I haven't started to compile. I mean, I've got to fill out a spreadsheet of it and put it in the database and things like that, and I haven't done it yet because I'm so I'm going out of town next week and I'm trying to prepare two weeks worth of content in one week, and I just haven't. Understood. But, but, but Jalen Cohn is the guy. Jalen right? Cohn is the guy for 2019. 19. Could be 2020. Uh, there's a Davenport kid. I forget his first name. At uh-huh. Hargrave. He's, he, he would be a 2019 guy. I think he's announcing Monday night. Um, 
so I'll be at the airport. Be prepared for that. <laughs> uh, uh, they, there was the transfer. Uh, I'm going to be working hard the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, Cry me a river. But, well, I, and I don't know about the transfer from uh, – God, he was supposed to announce between Virginia Tech and Vanderbilt. What school is he? I, is I it, believe it was Cambridge. Uh, his last name is Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah his is, last is, name is, is he Cambridge. transferring from Penn? Is that correct? It's, it was an Ivy League school. Yeah, Princeton maybe. I want to say it was remember. Yale, but yeah, a very smart school. <laughs> but at any rate, he's from it's Nashville. Funny how we grouped them all together. He's from Nashville. Uh, yeah, I'd be very surprised if he if he didn't end up at Vanderbilt if Vanderbilt wants him. Yeah, it's just me. So Desmond Cambridge. You're Desmond right. Cambridge. You Desmond. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Derek. Well, that'll kind of put a bow on the recruiting show. Of course, you follow us on social media, which is from Brown. Wow. Okay. Tech sideline, Facebook and Twitter. If there's any commitments, it'll be on social media. No question about it. Uh, uh, so let's tra- let's do this quickly. In two minutes here, uh, I want to shout out Spring Sports momentarily, giving out look. Baseball on Tuesday night dropped 3-2 to Old Dominion on the road in a game in the 7-5-7. I'm, I'm doing my Captain Kirk yelling, yelling at Khan. ODU! <laughs> Not a bad year for ODU, but we'll get into that later. Uh, they go Boston College at home this weekend, Sunday, excuse me, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. The game on Monday against Boston College will be on ESPNU. Mm. It'll be the first linear broadcast they'll do out of the new ACC Network studios at Virginia Tech. So I know uh, my friends at Hokie Vision are very excited about that. They've done a couple on the app, but this will be the first one on ESPNU. Do we know who's Monday? doing the play-by-play? Is, is ESPN bringing somebody yes, in? Yes, they'll or? bring in uh, their play-by-play color producer and uh, director. Uh, so that's uh, 7 o'clock Monday, May 6th, is that right? Correct, against okay. the Eagles. On ESPNU. Uh, and then All that right. Wednesday they'll play West Virginia, and then next weekend home against UVA. Yeah, that, the BC series is big as far as making it to the ACC tournament. That, that's a series Virginia Tech needs to win at home. They're a much more competitive team this year. Um but they've still got youth. They've got to add more depth to the program. They need a few more bullpen arms. And, and you know, they've got some freshmen in the lineup, quite frankly, that are hitting like freshmen. Yeah. Um, so it, he took over a complete mess of a program, I'll be quite <laughs> honest with you. And well, it's going to take a while. You're right. They're, they're, they're more competitive. Like that series against Miami, they got swept. But and, they, and they the could have won two out of three. The easily. aggregate score was seven to three. Right. You know, right, so yeah. it's not like it was eighteen to sure. two or something, that, which is like what that. they were doing in the past. Yeah. yeah, you know, so yes, they are more competitive, but especially lately, the wins just haven't been coming. If, they, if they're able to get to the ACC tournament, that would be a big success. It's been a couple of years since they've been there and qualified, and they still have a winning record right now. So definitely, Coach John Shep doing a lot of great things, and I think next year. Again, another another couple of years to get that roster right. Uh, but again, that's where baseball is currently at the moment. Lacrosse fell to UVA two Saturdays ago, so they finish at seven and nine. Excuse me, Eight they finish. Excuse me, yes, they finish with a losing record on the year. But get this, they're still ranked twenty first in the coaches' poll because of how ridiculous of a schedule they played. That's awful. And so, very all. If they had gone five hundred, they would have gotten into the NCAA tournament with the resume they had. So yeah. just missing and coach john sung also inherited a, a program that was at the bottom of the acc oh yeah you look at what he's done so far in this team next year i think no doubt probably getting back to the I, ncaa I, I have no evidence to back this up at all but i think the virginia tech lacrosse program was the worst program non-revenue program in virginia the country of, worse in oh well no no i mean of all power five program hmm. power five i mean i have no evidence to back that up but what well, they were in the in the acc for what 
12 years before John Song got here and they won three games in 12 Some, years? Something like that. It, it was, it was, a, it was I an mean, extended period. I, I, I can't imagine any program being worse. And what he did with them, I know this year's a little bit disappointing, but what he's done with them in such a short period of time has been nothing less than phenomenal. Won their opinion. first NCAA tournament game last year, got to their first ever NCAA tournament last year. They beat Syracuse Notre Dame for the first time in program history last year. And they've got a lot of talent. They were just a little bit young this year. Yeah. And so they'll have a good year next year. Uh, and then I'll, I'll close with spring sports on this, uh, with softball, because yeah. I knew I'd probably spend a little bit more time on them. ACC regular season champions, a team that was 23-30 and 30 ago, 7-16 and 16 in ACC play, one ACC series win that was a sweep against Virginia, who's one of the bottom teams in the ACC, lost yeah. 10 one-run games. They're 45-8, and 20-4, ACC regular season champions. Unbelievable. Nobody, nobody saw this coming in, they, in terms of 45-8. and eight. They were, There are 12 teams in the ACC, correct? Correct. And they were picked 10th. In the coaches' poll, one Florida State got every vote except for one amongst the ACC coaches. Which went to whom? Florida State's coach, Lonnie Alameda, who, of course, just won the World Series, voted for Virginia Tech to win the ACC. Are you serious? In the preseason poll, even though how, they were 10th. How did he know that? He's like that, she, dude, from she, Ari- he's like that dude from Arizona that <laughs> in the 1999 preseason picked Virginia Tech to make the national championship. That, was, that guy was good from Michigan, right? Uh, yeah. But, so, but, 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 but the thing is, Tech was ranked – 13th they they mm, yeah. so i mean people had thought tech were going to be good that year La- yeah. lonnie alameda she's yeah. one of the best coaches in all of the country picked tech so what did she know did she know pete demore well, from- well listen coach demore has a great track record right yeah. from his work get this coach demore since 09 at missouri has been to the ncaa tournament every single year except for his first year at kennesaw state he essentially took them to the nit in his first year then got in the ncaa tournament his second year and then got the tech so it has been Remarkable. This team leads the ACC in home runs. They lead the country. 22 of their 45 wins are via shutout. And wow. it, has been, it has been remarkable. So they go I, to the – sorry. That would be an interesting interview like to ask the Florida State coach. Ask what, her, what made you do that? Okay, listen. Yeah. We understand that Pete DeMore is a really good coach and that you already knew that. But to pick them to win the, the, the league? Over your team Over, right, that right. won the World Series. Right. And and Florida State, who was not some of the some of that's a little gamesmanship, quite sure. frankly. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure, sure. But 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 still. But some of you, it don't, is... you don't just randomly pick Virginia Tech. You would pick UNC or somebody like that if you just wanted to fire your team up and. Or well, and some like of that. it's probably know. looking but, at at some of the you you said Tech lost ten one run games correct last year. a year ago. So she probably saw that. And okay, I'm, they'll I'm, win eight of those this they year. They also yeah. you know and they also did not play Florida State or Notre Dame in the regular season. Which I'm not this saying, year or last but year. this year. But I will say this, and I want to make sure I'm giving credit. Those girls, one of the one of the things that we've talked about on ACC Network broadcast before is the fact that when Coach Demore came in, he said this is not a rebuild, and he didn't look at the players and say this is a rebuild. He said we're going to win now, and the girls really bought into that. Yeah. And there is so much talent on that roster Clearly. in the senior class. So, you know, I, I think that was a a big reason why this team is where it is right now because he came in and believed in the girls and said we're going to win right now. And, and you and you know a lot more about the program than I do, but to me, just from the outside looking in, the, the differences are the the hitting coaching. The hitting is vastly improved, coaching, and how valuable do you think the indoor facility has been for them this year? Well, think about it. Before, well, this year, you know, this was the first full year. They did work out of it last year, but it was completely finished. 
by the time this year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, think about it, though. Instead of practicing outside or in – I forget the name of the track area, which yeah. is right Re- next Rector, to it. Rector. Rector. Instead of doing it, they have a infield, they have batting cages, and they have a, a, a place for pitchers. And they have a locker room in there. And so that is, you know, really important to be able to practice. And, and I'll remind our listeners – I know I've said this on the podcast before. Um, I, I wound up at a press conference with Coach DeMora, and I, I asked him to talk about Virginia Tech's facilities. And, and, you know, and, and my, my question was geared towards recruiting. He looked at me and said, oh, they're the best in the – the indoor facility is the best in the country. And I said, why? He said, because you can do everything at once. Correct. He said, anywhere else I've seen, you, you can do one thing, then you have to change over to doing something else. In Tech's facility, like you said, you can pitch, hit, and practice infielding all at the same time. You walk into the door, immediately to your left is the field. To your right, away from the field – is the batting cages. I believe it's two, maybe three. And then beyond the batting cages in the right corner There's is two, the, where two, the pitching. Uh, two pitching uh, whatever you want lanes, yeah. whatever yes. you want to call them. So you can do everything at once. And compared to some of the teams, I mean, think about it. That's why you don't see a ton of teams from the north that successful in softball. Like oh, yeah, Syracuse, yeah. because they don't get to play home games until April. So to think about Florida State, who can practice outside in January or February, and right. for Virginia Tech – to be able to practice inside, it's a huge for recruiting. It's huge for um, the the ability to practice inside and, and do everything at once. So, yeah. so they go to the ACC tournament, ACC regular season champions, which which isn't officially recognized, but they are the number one seed. Technically, the only regular season championship in the entire ACC is wrestling regular season. So even basketball, it's not technically like you go look on it's the tournament champion in every sport except for wrestling yeah well if you if UNC could recognize themselves as co-ACC coastal division champions that year they were on probation you can do whatever you want co-ACC coastal division champions then I think we can go ahead and recognize now what tech does get recognized for is they won the coastal so for the first time in program history they are coastal division (laughs) champions but they go to Tallahassee next week as the number one seed and I'll be honest with you, I, 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 there, I, Virginia Tech has a chance to win the ACC tournament. They really do down there. And, you know, North Carolina, who took two of three from Florida State, Virginia Tech played extremely competitive. That was the only series they lost, but North Carolina lost to North Carolina Central on Tuesday night. Hmm. Uh, so it is going to be the most competitive ACC tournament, in my opinion, since at least – I mean, since Florida State's won it every year since 2012 – at least that year or a little bit before, which is almost post-Angela Tincher era. Yeah. This so is When does it start? It Tell starts them. Wednesday. Tech has a bye to the quarters on Thursday, the championships on Saturday. So Wednesday, May 8th yes. is what you're talking about. Okay. So it's my perception, and again, you follow the program closer than I do, that, um, that Virginia Tech has mowed down the – inferior competition that they've faced that sounds good when, when, when they go good to say doesn't it when yeah. they go into a series where they're better than the other team they've and in, in which which series was it where they was it pit that they could just annihilate i believe they outscored 38 to 3 in three games yeah and uva so, didn't pass second base right in three, <laughs> in three games like seriously <laughs> so so they're doing things like that now when they run into the tougher teams uh, well, you know, they, they threw a perfect game against number 17, JMU. They they were up one nothing all six innings going against JMU's ranked, lost. by the way. Correct. They, they, and they, get this, they might be in the top 16 of RPI. There's a chance that Tech would go to a Harrisonburg regional wow. in the NCAA tournament, which would be something. And, and they did beat Georgia in one game and then got yep. beat pretty handily so in the basically, other one. They, they basically split they'll, they'll their games split against the And then North Carolina, yeah. that's a series back. A couple of hits go their way. 
Um, you know, it, it was a real – they had one inning in third game that cost them the game. So uh, it is going to be a tournament in which Tech and Florida State are going to be the favorites, not just because they're – but the favorites to get to the championship. But for Virginia Tech, North Carolina and Florida State, if everything goes right, likely are going to meet in the semis on one half. Okay. And then Virginia Tech would likely, again, assuming that everything goes to projections, Virginia Tech would likely either get Louisville, who they took two of three from at Tech Softball Park, or Notre Dame in the semifinals. So are these things, do they play one game and that's it? It's single elimination. Mm, yikes. And that's different, of course, from playing a three-game series the entire year. So yeah, it's yeah. going to be very competitive. The championship game on Saturday is on ESPN. No you, no two. Really? It's on ESPN Saturday at, I believe, either noon or two. And see, that worked for Makai Lewis. <laughs> Being on ESPN made him a star. Correct. You know? So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully they'll make it to it and, and win it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're 45 minutes into our podcast. We're kind of recapping and reflecting because we don't know our schedules moving forward here. As you heard, Chris is getting ready to go on a big-time vacation, which we're excited for you about, by the way. I'm Take sure lots of are. pictures. Um, but we don't know when that when we're going to have our last podcast, what, what our schedule is moving forward. So I thought it would be nice with CC here especially to kind of do our year in review. I've got some questions for you guys. Which I have not prepped for at all. I'm which shooting, is fine. I'm shooting I li- from the hip. I, I, so I, correct me if I say something sure. stupid. Sure. No, I, I like getting you guys in, in your initial thoughts off the top of your head, too. Um, so the Gobblers were on Monday night, which is essentially the ESPYs yeah. of Virginia Tech Athletics. First of all, um, Shelby Miller and the Virginia Tech Department who puts that on does an incredible job of putting that Where do they together. do that? At Moss? At Moss Art Center. All the teams are there. The coach, Mike, Mike Young, was there. Um, they give out these really cool awards, too, and they have these different – so I don't have the winners in front of me, but I am going to take some of the um, awards that were given out for the teams and kind of present it to you guys. Right. So, um, so kind of a year in review, first of all. Uh, tell me, in your opinion, the best team, Virginia Tech this year. What would you say? And looking back, 2018, 2019, what was the best team? I think it would say off it, the top of my head. It's it's a little TBD. Softball's up there competing for that. You could say softball, depending on how they finish. Basketball you could say made basketball. the Sweet 16. So, um, oh my goodness, uh, where did outdoor track finish? Uh, I'm not sure either. So. But, but, but those ACC. those are the two that come to mind. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I would I would say men's basketball off the top of my head, and I apologize if I missed no, another it, sport. That how about uh, how about the the best Virginia Tech game, best game of the year? Hmm. A, lot, a lot of dead air here. <laughs> While I think, I, I would say. Uh, I mean, you got the win over Duke in men's basketball. Yeah. You've got the UVA game, which, by the I, way, won at the Gobblers. That won quite, best game. Quite, well, quite frankly, Virginia Tech. Also, oh, the UVA game won the the UVA football game won the award. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think the UVA football game is probably the more amazing game, and I know this isn't going to sound right to Virginia Tech fans, but Virginia Tech basketball beating Duke was less of an upset than Virginia Tech football beating UVA. I mean, UVA football won eight games. They beat South Carolina twenty-eight to nothing in the bowl game. Uh, they were better than us, and we beat them. Uh, and and, then, and so, that, that was a good Duke basketball team, but we've seen Virginia Tech be competitive with them. Oh, yeah, and we were competitive with them again in the NCAA tournament. That game yeah. could have gone down to the wire either way. I wouldn't <laughs> want to play UVA in football again. No no way I'd want to play that game again. Interesting uh, viewpoint. So, uh, was, was the win over Florida State in football nominated? I don't know what the nominees were. I just have I mean, the, the. It's something what, that doesn't stand for, up in hindsight. For that in moment, moment in time, it was awesome. Right. Yeah. But as it turned out, you know, Florida State not, was not very good. How about performer 
of the year or at maybe an athlete of the year. So that that's open it up uh, to the individuals would, or team on a athlete team. Athlete of the year, I would have to say uh, Makai. Oh yeah, that that's that's a slam Makai. dunk. Uh, he won the male athlete of the year. Yes, he I, did. I think even 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 had uh, I was about to say Justin Robinson had a shot at that. Yeah, but then he got hurt. But even if Justin had stayed healthy and and finished out his career, you know, on an upward arc. What Makai did is has got to be honored, yeah, and I'm, I assume he won though. So he won male freshman of the year, male athlete of the year, and one more award that is uh, on my phone that I, I he do pretty much won every for. award that he was he, eligible he for. He won three awards, yeah. and he had his own box walking out of the doors. <laughs> um, so, anyways, a really really solid year for Makai Lewis. Um, so that was best performance. How about I mean highlight of the that kind of goes with game, but was there a moment of tech athletics like a highlight where that could go when you look back on 2018, 19, 20 years from now, what, what was the highlight I will of think this about yes. of making the sweet 16. So that that's not like okay, we beat Liberty. It was a pretty unexciting game. It's not that you remember the game per se, but you remember winning the game and then that puts you in the sweet 16. So to me that is the highlight of the year was Making the Sweet 16, and that and that really that includes beating Liberty in that game, of course, but it also includes beating Duke, which sets yourself up to be a number four seed, and all that stuff. Every, so everything that everything that went, everything into, that went into making the Sweet 16 yeah. would be my highlight of the year. And and it's it's a little hard to. And I was actually thinking about this earlier today, totally disassociated from the podcast. I was just thinking about it, and and I've, I've been asking myself this question. Buzz left right after the year was over. I was specifically thinking about when Ty Outlaw hit that three against Duke and Buzz is whipping his towel. And I just – I thought that was the culmination of buzziness, you know. He just that, – the look on his face. And before Ty even lets go of the ball, you know, Buzz is whipping his towel around his head. And, and that was like – that was like the end of five years of whatever. And it was a really cool moment. And, and I'm, I'm asking myself this, how will I view – this year's team and the Sweet 16 achievement, knowing that, you know, what we know now that Buzz was on his way out and that I, th- I think it's fair to say he was kind of planning it. I'm, I'm not accusing the guy of anything unethical. I'm just saying he did kind of tail off in recruiting there, you know, and I think, I think that's where his heart and his mind were ultimately. And, and we've gone over this. I won't, I won't rehash all of that. So I'm just trying to work out how I feel about that. You know, because um, it's it's a it's the best achievement in one of the best achievements in the history of Virginia Tech basketball. But I just I don't get the juice from it that I should, you know, and I think part of that might have to do with beating St. Louis and Liberty to make that sweet 16. When you think of Martin March Madness, you think of some dude launching a 35 footer at the buzzer to make the Sweet 16 or make the Final Four. Well, that's not the way it happened for Virginia Tech. It finally, everything, the seeding and everything just went the way it goes for other teams all the time. And it finally (laughs) went that way for Tech. And they kind of, not to insult them, they kind of cruised into the Sweet 16. They didn't have the drama. Geez, UVA had drama winning the national (laughs) championship. You know, so I think that also takes a little bit away from it. You know, there wasn't that – there wasn't that one moment where you got to see a bar erupt or everybody in Castle or something like that. I, I think that's probably true. If I were to look back on this athletic year, I mean, there were a lot of great moments, and I'm fortunate enough to see a lot of Olympic sports too, like Virginia Tech upset number six UVA in women's soccer at home this year. That one best upset. That's a huh. moment. Or 
But I, I think when you look back on it, you're right, CC. I mean, the, the, to get to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1967. And to that, do it with your best player hurt for the key part of your schedule. Which I was about to say, I feel like that's also one thing, CC. just hearing him and what he said on the podcast, that's one thing he'll – maybe I'm speaking for You'll remember 20 years from now, too, is also what if. What yeah, if Justin man, Robinson sure. didn't get hurt? What if – What if Chris Clark yeah. was on the team? What if Chris Clark you know. was on the team? You and put a bunch of seniors out there, man, and – and, and you look at who won. The, you need talent. UVA has talent. Don't get me wrong. They had a bunch of de- guys declare, but they were upperclassmen. You know, yeah. it wasn't a bunch of freshmen like, like the Duke put on the field, on the court. So you know, put Clark and Robinson in that lineup for the whole year, and um, they could have got past that second weekend. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's very possible. So so, and and the way I look at, and I've said this before. Um, my expectations last June or July were Sweet 16. I think a team can make the Sweet 16. Know what I know now, if Clark had played and Robinson had not gotten hurt, my wish would have been Final Four. Yeah. I think if things had broken correctly, that team was good enough. Yeah, they were certainly good enough. Yeah. And with, the, with the right matchups. They, they, were, they were better than I thought. Right, right. And, and Buzz is also a better coach than I thought. I thought he was a good coach. I thought it was mostly culture and, and some other things. But when Justin Robinson got hurt, well, two things. When he completely changed the defense the previous season and they started playing so much better, when J-Rob got hurt and the stuff he did with Blackshear, that's that's when he crossed over, in my mind, from a very good coach to an elite coach. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you completely. I knew when he was hired, and I don't want to talk too much about Buzz because he's not here anymore, I knew he was a great recruiter, knew he was a great motivator, all that, knew he was very entertaining. I didn't realize what a good pure basketball coach he yeah. was, and he's top-notch. So real quick, I think we've said this before, but just to remind, was this the best basketball team Virginia Tech has ever seen? Some of the 80s people might argue with me. Some of the 70s people and maybe some of the late 60s people. Mm-hmm. The 67 team made the final eight when it was a 16 – no, it was a 23-team field back then. They yes, kind of 22 number. or 23-team field, and they made the final eight, and they really should have made the final four. They, I think they had Dayton. But um, I was there for the 80s, and – that was a now the basketball was a little different back then. You had the, you had the prototypical one, two, three, four, five positions. You had a center and you had a point guard and everybody shooting guard, small forward, power forward. It was much more conventional. Um, so I'm not saying if you put this year's team up against the '80s team that this year's team would win. Um, it's it's close, and I think it all depends upon your viewpoint. And what I mean by that is when I look at this year's Virginia Tech team, uh, they had some really good players, but. The, the mid-'80s team had an elite player in Del Curry. Del was special. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker, if he were to stay four years like Del did, maybe he could have been something like that. We don't know, and we'll never know. That kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Del was a guy who was, who was truly an elite player. And I think that the, this year's team lacked an elite player. A lot of really good players, but not elite. Yeah, I would agree with that. And – you know, you can make the argument for the 67 team based on their accomplishment, but I never saw that team play, obviously. Yeah, we don't And know. you can't compare across eras anyway. Sure, because like, it's a different style of play, uh, the like, three-point line. Uh, the, the best pure hitter I saw when I was a kid was probably Tony Gwynn when I was a little kid, right, as far as average and everything like that. I thought Tony Gwynn was such, Gwynn was such a great hitter. And I think his combined batting average against Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz as a Braves fan was something like 360. Wow. I mean, it was insane. But how do you compare 
a hitter from this era to a hitter from the 50s or even Ty Cobb back in the dead ball era. And it's the same thing for basketball. You can't compare across eras. Um, so to me, I, I don't know. I, it's, I, it's the best I've ever seen at Tech. I'll put it that way. That's that's no doubt. All about hands that. on deck, probably yeah. the best if Clark had been playing. In, in yeah, I, I think so. So let me ask you this. I'm sure when I say the most electrifying teams that Virginia Tech has ever had from any sport, I'm sure the national championship team that got to the yeah. Sugar Bowl comes to number one. Was this year's team getting to the Sweet 16, was this a top five team in Virginia Tech sports history? Hmm. I, I think that's fair. I, I think it's fair. Um, you know, the, the, there were years where Virginia Tech football ranked in the top ten for a good chunk of the season, like 2002, 2003, 2001, but the, they didn't finish there. And the, we Even all know the, the 2005 team also. Yeah, I think it, the 2005 team was the most talented team in Virginia Tech history, regardless of sport, in my opinion. And they finished in the top ten. You know, they won the Gator Bowl, won 11-2 or whatever. Um they're probably one of the top five teams, although they, they probably underachieved to a certain extent. I think offensively they could have done a lot they, they more than done, what they did. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say uh, that they could certainly yeah. – now, now, are we ranking it based on overall talent or, or what they or achieved? What they achieved. I think probably you know, a culmination of everything. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's up there. Uh, I think you, you could probably put the, the 93 Independence Bowl team on there, the 95 Sugar Bowl team. The '99 football team, uh, the the softball team that under Tencher beat the U.S. national team. And yeah, in '08, that's a great. But the, but the overjoinder to that is it was a it, player. It was yes, that's correct. That, if they had gosh, if they had one of, one of the best now players on that team, that whew, one yeah. of the best players in the history of co- collegiate yeah. softball. Yep. Yeah, nope. No, yeah, 100%. So, so yeah, so there's there's several teams uh, uh, you you can that you make a strong argument for, but. Uh, I, considering it's it's a high profile sport, it's men's basketball, right? It's a uh, it's a sport that most people watch, uh, and at least everybody knows what's happening. I, I, it would def it would have to be on my top five list for sure. Well, when we look back on this twenty years from now, you know, you could look on the the, the roster and see, oh, that's the or the roster, the schedule. See, that's the first losing season football's had since the early nineties, but. When there was a little bit of down for the football team that later November, December, basketball really put an exclamation point on this kind of sports season that's kind of been different from years past. Basketball kind of taking the baton just for this year, just for this year. And it's no disrespect, just thinking how it was neat to see Hokie Nation come together in a different sport. So when, when Tech is engaged following basketball and engaged when tech fans are following basketball and engaged it's great stuff it tends to be very fragile you know um one of one of the things i've i've talked with chris about is you know james johnson was virginia tech's coach for two years early in his first year november yeah yeah you know they beat uh they beat an oklahoma Oklahoma state State. team top 10 with marcus smart Wow. And and Virginia Tech at the time was eight and zero, and they cracked the rankings. I believe they did not crack the rankings. They were just outside the rankings. They went to West Virginia the next week, and I think they were twenty sixth or twenty seventh in, yeah. in votes received. They lost at the buzzer to West Virginia. If they won that game, they definitely would have cracked the rankings. But then it fell apart. So that was November of James Johnson's first year, and sixteen months later, he was fired. And in that sixteen months. The Virginia Tech basketball fan base checked out. That would never happen in football. The, the football fan base might check out if you string together some losing seasons, but they're not going to check out after one. 
So what's what point am I making here? I, th I think you just I think you just push one of my buttons probably, and that button is that. I'm sorry. We we know that Mike Young has a rebuilding job ahead of him, and I'm just worried that this fragile Virginia Tech basketball fan base is going to check right back out. We're not going to be good this year, most yeah. likely, and and it's not going to be Mike Young's fault that we're not good this year yeah. if we're not good this year. So let's do this quickly. I want to. Just preview, just to look ahead to 2019 and 2020. Who, what team are you more excited to see next year? Football or men's basketball? Uh, mm -hmm. Got to be football. Yeah, for football for me. I'm um, not sure excited is the right word. I, I'm not sure excited <laughs> is the right word either. Yes, intrigued. Uh, yeah. Uh, Interested in. I, uh, and I would have given you a different answer last year um, because we knew the men's basketball team had a chance to be really good. Um, football this year for me personally because everybody's coming coming back. You know, I uh, only lost six seniors. Um, for the most part, the people, the attrition outside the program is not that big a deal, um, in my opinion. I know a lot of people made made a big deal about the transfer portal when that stuff was going on, but to me, it's just not something it's going to affect this team at all if anything it's going to help it quite frankly so i think the biggest thing the biggest question we're all asking and want answered by the 2019 football team is you, you laid a lot of blame at the feet of bad chemistry i don't know who you is i'm not i don't know that i'm accusing the football coaching staff of this but that's the narrative mm -hmm. that yes the talent has has ebbed a little bit to the to the wrong side but also a lot of blame for that season has been laid at the feet of bad chemistry. And everything coming out of the spring, whether it's been rehearsed as a party line or the kids were speaking the truth, it's that the locker room is a lot better. The team's a lot more cohesive. Fuente's doing things like going to fun parks with them and stuff like that. Dodgeball. Dodgeball. They're, so, so they're doing all this stuff and they're saying all this stuff. Are you full of it, or am I really going to see that next year? Is it going to make a difference next year? Because it made a difference going from 2003 to 2004. One of the things that came out of the, the really bad finish to the 2003 football season was, hey, we got talent. Those guys are just doing whatever they damn well please, and that's why we're not any good. And that's why that defense was getting smoked at the end of the year, because they were all freelancing. And they proved it. They, they took some steps, um, and, and I won't get into detail. I don't want to insult former players, but one of the things we were led to believe was going into 2004 that the leadership was there in Brian Randall, that the guys were operating together as a unit, that the locker room was better, and that turned out to be true. We all would love to see some sort of resurrection of the football program similar to what happened from 2003 to 2004. Probably the analog to that would be winning the Coastal in 2019. How likely is that? I don't know. I haven't sat and done the analysis. But I think that's what we're all looking for from the 2019 football team. Are you full of crap when you're talking about all the malcontents and transfer portal guys and, and bad team chemistry, or was that really true? Uh, that's what I'll be looking for. Yeah, I, I think the, your average Tech fan wants to feel like by the end of this year that the program's going in the right direction. Because yeah. um, there was some disagreement at the end of this past season whether it was or not. Uh, and on paper, it doesn't look good, right? Third year is your worst year. What do you think about John Song? Do you think he's a really good coach? Oh, he's fantastic. One of year, the best in the country. Third year is his worst year, right? Really? For, record maybe, maybe, maybe his first year was, tech, but. 
but yes. generally speaking, people had higher expectations. But it looked like it was going like this, and, and this then all year of a sudden, like it, right, right. So it happens, and 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 Dabo Swinney, his third year was his worst year at Clemson, uh, and, I, and there were a couple other guys where it's been the same way. So there's a little bit of a trend uh, going on there. Um, I, I think at this point you want to say, okay, yeah, we had bad chemistry this past year. We had some malcontents maybe that are off the team. Uh, quite frankly, we're going to be more experienced. We're still going to be inexperienced relative to some teams. I mean, our freshmen are going to be sophomores. I prefer Man, them to I, be juniors, I, right? I want that Pittsburgh team last year that had 18 redshirt seniors and oh, one true seniors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I want Virginia Tech to be like that. Yeah, and, and that's why it's important to redshirt guys and just – Redshirt as many guys as you can and, and keep it rolling so you can ro- throw experienced guys out there every year yeah. um, to a certain extent. Um, so I think at the end of this year you, you want to look at the team and say, okay, yeah, uh, the problems of 2018 were directly related to, to youth, injuries. We had awful injury luck this past year and, and maybe some chemistry problems because this 2019 team, you know, Taiwan Garbutt was better, and, and Caleb Farley was better, and, and they won more games, and, and nobody beat them by 30 or 40 points, like happened to mm. them a couple of times last they, they year. They were completely so, uncompetitive in a, at least yeah. two games last year. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I don't want to put a number on anything. Obviously, you have to finish with a winning record this year because if you don't finish 6-6, six and six, you're not going to a, going to a bowl this year because you're playing two FCS teams. But just make it look like you're moving in the right direction <laughs> and it's it's unfair for me to invoke memories of the 2004 virginia tech hockeys because they had uh without had seniors yeah they they had a lot of experience they had they, a lot of talent but they had a lot of experience they too. Had, had jim davis a defensive tackle and eric green was a senior corner i believe and, and brian randall of course was yep. was a senior uh, they're, they're they're receiving core there were a lot of young. juniors too. Uh, yeah. Their receiving core was, was young, and their linebackers were young. But uh, there were a lot of upperclassmen on that football team. It was mostly made up of juniors because almost most of the team came back the next year for the most talented team ever in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. But there were key seniors, and then a whole bunch of really, really good and, and, juniors. And really, the straw that stirred the drink was Brian Randall yeah. that year. You yeah. know, there were a couple of. of I know we're not talking about 2004, but there were a couple of times where, you know, they, they gave up 10 sacks against NC State to fall to 2-2 two and two on the year. And they carted Brian Randall out in front of the press, and he took the blame for it. And I think we've talked about this before, and, and I don't think that was fair. It was a lot of stuff going on why they gave up 10 sacks. But he took the hit for that. Uh, he was the guy who made the plays against Georgia Tech in a game that really put that season on track. And he was a guy who made some plays against Miami, the, 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 the game that won the ACC championship for him. In Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah, so yeah. He, he was really the guy that – the straw that stirred the drink. And I don't, I don't know that there's that guy on the 2019 team. Well, you know, maybe Ryan Willis, maybe not. Willis is a, was a, is a senior next year, redshirt senior. Randall was a senior, so – Well, the passing game will be better. Uh, I mean, Willis has a better arm than Randall, and he's got – and those receivers were talented in 2004, but they were all freshmen, man. Yeah. And and so so this and receiving Tech just didn't pass the ball that much. But they, they didn't pass it that much. Yeah. yeah exactly. So anyway, well, um, that's going to kind of put a bow uh, on next year. Looking ahead, of course, we'll have great content and over the summer. And um, again, not a hundred percent sure what the schedule is going to look like the rest of the way. But uh, I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you guys very much for having me along for the ride this year and uh, I cannot express how thankful I feel to be a part of the 
TSL family and uh, working with you guys every day. I'm going to miss doing this uh, all the time over the summer. So now he's not leaving. No, <laughs> you're you're a sophomore. Right? I'm a sophomore. Evan has agreed to come back next year and do the podcast. Absolutely. And unless something just gets horribly flubbed up, he'll you'll probably come back as a senior too, right? I, that would I would if you guys will have me. Yes. <laughs> so so I've I've uh, we've been tossing around some ideas here to to up our game on the uh, podcast. Um, and I, and I won't get into what that means. Uh, we started going to Facebook Live, I don't know, eight or ten podcasts ago. So I think the visual presentation might need to be better. Um, but I'm, I'm always striving to improve, you know. To hashtag get better. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I am not portable, unlike Buzz Williams. <laughs> I got to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, good stuff, though. But anyway, so so we'll all be back here next year, and uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be hopefully making some moves over the summer to, to up our game a little bit. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to being back. I really am. And thank you guys uh, to the TSL fans. And you know, I, d- I do just want to put this out there that you know we we are the you know best podcast and the. That's what they tell Premier me. Premier independent publication covering Virginia Tech athletics. But, you know, very proud and thankful, I know, on behalf of you guys. But just seeing the numbers each and every week for this podcast, yeah, yeah. averaging like 2,000 to 2,500 listeners and viewers combined. I mean, really exciting. Really excited so. to see where this uh, podcast goes next year. And so, yeah, looking forward to it. But, again, we might have another one a little bit later, but I want to make sure we got that one in. And, and at the very least, we'll be doing some here and there through the summer. Even if you're not here. Sure. Even if Evan isn't here uh, geographically, Chris and I can can do stuff. Maybe we'll have and some special guests because there won't be as much to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, absolutely. And, and we do have some people in mind to have on. Um, uh, and so we'll zap you the file. You can edit it for us. You know. So so there yeah. will be podcasts throughout the late spring and, and summer. But, yeah. Uh, so, Chris, enjoy your trip. Appreciate it. Yep. And enjoy and, yours uh, as well in the land of. 10,000 lakes, right? Correct. Yeah. Back to the Northwoods League. Uh, well, depending on when we talk to you next, whenever that happens to be, thanks so much for listening. Uh, it's been a fantastic podcast, and if this is my last time, I hope everybody has a terrific summer. Looking forward to being back. And so that'll do it for this week's podcast. For our founder and the head honcho, Will Stewart, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. <laughs>